bring you the witch's tale, written and produced by Alonzo Dean Cole. writing us letters asking how old Nancy got to be such a nice right age. <laughs> you said it, Satan. The whole answer to that question is that we knows magic charm. I wear the iron ring to keep away rheumatics. There's always an onion hanging over my door to drive off chills and fevers. And round my neck, I wears a potent talisman made during the increase of a moon, which protects me from all accidents. <laughs> a body who takes care of her health with powerful spells like them is bound to reach a hunter and eighteen year like I just turned today. That's right, Satan. Another reason for me living so long is that I never tells a lie, which proves there's no truth in the saying that the good dies young. <laughs> well, we got another cheerful little bedtime story for you now. If you'll just turn out them lights and make it nice and dark, that's it. Now draw up to the fire and gaze into them bugs. Gaze into them deep, and soon you'll see four people at the door of a fine big house. Soon you'll learn about the hairy monster. <laughs> That's our tale for tonight, the hairy monster. <laughs> Here we are. Now, just a moment till I find the light. Oh, Mr. Weeks. Gosh, yes. We're terrible excited. <laughs> I have it. Now, look at the inside of your new home. Oh, hey, Grand. Barbara. Like it? Oh, it a like regular it. mansion. Perfectly And It's all yours, Miss Turner. House, grounds, and furniture. That is, you'll carry out the conditions of Mrs. Hawker's will and live here continuously for one year beginning tonight. Is she live here? Huh? 
Try and get you away, eh, Bab? Oh, I'll say so. After you and Aunt Maggie and I have had a live in two rooms in a kitchen, that all our lives. Oh, doesn't it just seem as though we're dreaming? My, my. I can hardly believe it. <laughs> so, right. Look, Bab. <laughs> Mr. Weeks, we even had a telephone put in. Oh. I've had the place set in order as though I was moving in myself. Doesn't look like a house that's been closed and tenantless for five years. Hey, it's just perfect. Everything. Absolutely. Scrooge. I'm going to get our baggage from the car, so I'll have nothing to do but explore. <laughs> I'm going over the place and sell it to Abby. Don't forget to bring in my hat box and umbrella. I won't, Aunt Maggie. Aunt Maggie, just look at these gorgeous window curtains. Real wings. My, my. But the kitchen is what I want to see. That's my special bellywick, Mr. Weeks. Where is it? You'll find it at the end of the hall, Miss Carpenter. Excuse me. I've got to have a look at the kitchen before I do another thing. Oh, we're all so terribly excited, Mr. Week. And we'll never forget that our good fortune is entirely due to you. Oh, not only act as any attorney who wouldn't serve his client's interest. But other attorneys kept this place away from us for five whole years. Well, they have no legal grounds for their action, as the court has finally decided. The terms of Mrs. Hawker's will were specific and clear, despite a certain rather strange provision. Her well, sister, Helen, was named as sole heir. And in the event of her demise, it was provided that the estate should pass to her nearest female kin, which happened to be you. At your sister's untimely death, the executive should have placed you in immediate possession. Now, to continue in possession, I simply have to fulfill the terms originally opposed upon my sister. That's all. You reside in this house for a period of one year, during which time you will sleep in the master bedroom upstairs, which was formerly occupied by Mrs. Hawkins. You are not to pass so much as a single night away from here, and... And you spend at least three hours in that bedroom from every midnight to sunrise alone. What a condition, isn't it? But a very simple one. Yes. If poor Helen hadn't been killed in that auto accident the day of Mrs. Hawkins' funeral, she would have found it as easy to fulfill as I should. And now she's dead. And I have this wonderful house. Your sister must have been a very sweet and lovable character. Mrs. Hawker had known her scarcely two weeks when she executed that will in her favor. Well, wasn't that extraordinary? Helen was only her paid companion, a trained nurse like myself. Strange, the workings of fate. Now you, whom Mrs. Hawker never even met, become her heir. But what sort of woman was Mrs. Hawker? Helen used to write that she was very true. That's proven by the queer conditions of her will. But despite her eccentricity, Helen wrote that she was a highly intelligent old person who spent most of her time in scientific research. <laughs> I've heard that, but I hardly think of her studies with any scientific. You'll find some mighty fair stuff in the library she left. Works on magic, alchemy, and such outlandish things as that. Is that what she's done? <laughs> the only books in the place with English titles. I don't know what the volumes she just put are written in Chinese. Chinese? Yes. You've inherited quite a collection of Oriental literature. Mrs. Hawker spent most of her life in Tibet. She's the wife of a missionary, I believe. And that's all I or anyone else in the town really knows about her. But she made no friends with some From the time she came here 15 years ago and built this house, she rarely left it. In fact, she scarcely ever left that room upstairs if you'll occupy in accordance with her will. She must have been very sensible. That provision isn't the only strange one in her will. Mm. Don't worry about the others. The executive one. That seemed to death. I'm a... But why? Hey, help me, someone. Oh, oh, oh. Oh, I don't know. Oh, I'm much obliged. I wanted to get all this luggage in at once, so I'll have nothing to do but look over our new residence. Besides, it's Mr. Week's car we had cluttered up with this stuff, and he may want to drive it home sometime tonight. Hey, it's nearly midnight. I must be running along now. Oh, it was awfully good of you to meet us at the train and bring us out here. I wanted to enjoy your first excitement of the place. Oh, Barbara, the kitchen is simply scrumptious. There's copper pots and pans, real silverware, china dishes. Roddy, did you bring in my big hat box and umbrella? Here they are, I think. Oh, thank goodness. Well, I went along. 
Guess you'll find things comfortable enough really to make your own arrangements. Everything's wonderful, thank you. You've been a real friend, Mr. Weeks. It's all been a pleasure, Paula. Good night. I'll take you to the door. We'll all take you. My stars, the moon has come out. Isn't it nice? It was Dr. Pitt when we drove up here. Mr. Weeks. What's that little white building back there? Our garage? No, son, that's Mrs. Hawker's tomb. Oh, the mausoleum you told me she had built. Yes. That's the one thing I ain't going to like about this place. That tomb. Well, we'll have to get used to it. One of the provisions in her will is that it is never to be removed. That's right. Well, I must be going. Good night. Good night, Mr. Weeks. Good night, sir. Good night. And thanks a thousand times. Oh, that's all right. Good luck, you all. Let's go back in back. I'm just crazy to explore the place. <laughs> so am I. And I can hardly realize it's really ours. I don't like that grave in the backyard. Aunt Maggie, you knew that tomb was there before we came. I didn't know it was so near the house. It ain't right for the dead and living to be so close to one another. Oh, how silly. Come inside and stop gazing. All right. Shut that door, Rodney. And lock it tight. <laughs> you ain't afraid Mrs. Hawker will get lonesome out there and try to play as a visitor. <laughs> if she wanted to, locks and bolts wouldn't stop her. Ghosts can get in anywhere. Oh, Aunt Maggie, don't be so ridiculous. Here, Aunt, let's take this luggage up to our bedroom before we do anything else. You two keep away from them bedrooms so I look them over. What for? What for? Ain't I been keeping house for you two orphans almost all your life? I'm going up and see the beds are made up proper with clean sheets and all. <laughs> All right, Aunt Maggie. Arrange things to suit yourself. But I'm asleep in the East Wing room, you know. I ain't forgetting. Here. I'll take my big hat box and umbrella. You can bring the rest of that truck up later. Okay, Aunt Maggie. She would have sit and going up there to fix things just as if we were a couple of kids. Have you found the big room once, Aunt Maggie? Yes, sir. Miss. The entire East Room of yours is from I knew it would be. Oh, Rodney, isn't it wonderful to know all this belongs to it, that we're going to live in this house? You've got to live here for a year. As though that could be anything but pleasure. Oh, tonight, I'm just the happiest girl in the world. Ah! What was that? Oh, Come on, Dad, something is wrong. Oh, Maggie. Aunt Maggie. She has not done. Where the lights have gone out of here. We're in the dark. Aunt Maggie, where are Dad, you? Give me your hand. The east room is this way. We find her there. Oh, why doesn't she answer us? What made her scream? The lights have gone on again. There she is, in that room. On the floor. That's Maggie. Well, I'm Maggie. Speak to me. She doesn't move. She's fainted. Look at her eyes, Rob. They're staring at the ceiling. Just like she was scared of something. What? I don't, I don't know. She's not breathing. Her heart isn't beating. Odd. You still insist, Doc, that this woman was frightened to death? I do, Lieutenant. Until an autopsy shows me some chronic organic weakness that isn't apparent now, I'll say she died of paralysis of the heart muscle brought about by a shock. The expression of her face and eyes indicate that shock was caused by sheer stark terror. But what good frightened it? There was nothing here to do. You two entered this room almost immediately after she screamed? Yes, and the room was just like you see it now. Well, she couldn't have been frightened by anything seen through these windows. Shutters are closed. Drawn. You're positive every door and window in this house is locked on the inside, Ryan? Yes, sir. Absolutely positive. Yet you found no one hiding in the place. No, sir. We searched every corner. You're sure neither of you touched anything after you found your aunt? No, no sir. Not even the front door, which was locked after you got here. Well, we, we just phoned for you, police, and then sat down and did your case. 
That woman died of fright. She must have been scared by her own imagination. Oh, that's impossible. She wasn't that high. It's the only explanation that is possible, miss. When the coroner here first gave us his theory of her death, I suspected a tramp or burglar had surprised her. But we've proved that no one has gotten in or out of the place and that nobody's here now except ourselves. Oh, someone must have turned those lights on. Yeah, and turned turn them on again. Well, that was caused by defective wiring, maybe. I'll have the electric company look into that just to check. This is a coroner's case, not a police matter, boys. Come on, let's go. Uh, Lieutenant, sir. Yes, Ryan? You mind putting me on duty inside this house for a couple of days, maybe? What for? The case is closed. I kind of got a notion of the thing. What do you mean? I just kind of got a notion. Another of your crazy notions, eh? <laughs> I've got his idea, boys. <laughs> Detective Ryan is an authority on spooks. <laughs> There's an explanation for us. A ghost could frighten a woman to death, and they wouldn't be stopped by locked windows or doors. I ain't a ghost to be in house tonight, sir. For I've just found something that no ghost would leave behind. What have you found? This, sir. It's snagged on the back of that chair. Mm. Yeah. Two hairs. Two white hairs. Anyone might have shed a few hairs here at any time. These are most unusual hairs, sir. Look, I'm six feet tall, and these hairs are longer than I am. <laughs> well, that's just the beginning of his fussy story, Satan. You folks come see me next time I have a birthday, and I'll let you know what sort of critter them hairs belong to. Thank you.